Yes, sir, we promised you a great man. Oh, Hello everybody and welcome back to Straight Outta Cloyne, live from St. Louis! Like four people are going to understand that reference. But anyway, oh, this is the episode, lads, that has been highly anticipated for such a long time. This is an episode that half of my listeners have been absolutely buzzing for, and half of them have probably been dreading. Because... In this episode, I get to talk about something I love so dearly. Something I've loved my whole life, and something I will forever love, even though I have such a toxic relationship with it from time to time. And that is professional wrestling. Yes, this episode is a list of WWE matches that everybody needs to see. I have been planning this for so long. The only reason I've been putting it off for so long is because I wanted to make sure that I could get enough time to put all the efforts I can into this episode. I've obviously started working full-time in the last few weeks after being in college for a year, and as great as it is, I'm absolutely knackered half the time I come home. I didn't want to just cram this in in, like, one recording session on, like, a Thursday night, you know, five hours before the show was supposed to be aired. I wanted to make sure I had a few recording sessions to talk about different styles of matches and to make sure that I got everything I needed covered. With that said, why not give a bit of background on how I became a wrestling fan, when it all started, where it all started, how it all started. Because I just cannot help but bring up professional wrestling in like literally any conversation that anyone can start. It has been said to me before that people could be talking about the 1916 Rising and I would somehow bring it back to pro wrestling. And I said to that person, it's funny you say that because Irish wrestler Finn Balor has a finishing move called 1916 and then they all got annoyed and walked away. But regardless, I... To be honest, lads, it's funny that I said, like, I'm going to talk about where it all started because I can't give you a specific time or date or even match that, you know, started my love for pro wrestling. Literally, as far back as I can remember, I have been a fan of wrestling. Like, my earliest memories of, like, being three or four years old, 
I remember being a wrestling fan at that time. And like some of my earliest memories as well from like 2002-2003 are from, you know, playing Smackdown Shut Your Mouth, watching VHS tapes of old WWF pay-per-views and you know, watching um uh, what what are they called? Uh, documentaries about certain wrestlers that were also on VHS. Like I've got such great memories growing up of watching wrestling, and it's it's crazy. Like that, you know. As I said there, like being four years old, we'll say in two thousand and two, I remember watching WrestleMania eighteen, which we'll talk about a little bit more in this episode. And you know, here I am, twenty years later, twenty four years old, still loving pro wrestling and having great memories recently of watching WrestleMania 38. And this is the thing, it's just, it's like literally my whole life, this has been so present. And look, let's address the, let's address the elephant in the room. Let's address the one thing that's on everybody's mind now who is not a fan of professional wrestling. Yes, I am aware that professional wrestling is not real. Yes, it is a scripted sport, it is a scripted form of entertainment, but this is something I've never understood. Why is it okay for people to be fans of comic books? Why is it okay for people to be fans of anime? You know, to other things that aren't fucking real. But it's not okay for people to be a fan of professional wrestling. It makes absolutely no sense to me. And what I'm hoping with this episode is that people... This isn't like trying to, me trying to convert non-fans into wrestling fans. Like, if that happens, great. Like, fucking, I'm delighted. But it's not really my ultimate goal. My ultimate goal with this episode is to kind of... Get people to understand why I love pro wrestling. And why so many people around the world, like literally millions of people around the world, love pro wrestling. I'm not getting emotional, I'm just after swallowing down the wrong pipe. What a great time to do that. Anyways, who cares, we've already started this recording, I'm not going back, because making intros are hard enough as it is. But, I just, like, you know, it's funny, because like, there's been so many times where, if I did have a friend who was into wrestling, we might be talking about what happened on Raw last night, or we might be happen- or talking about what happened on a pay-per-view recently, or even stuff outside WWE, and someone will, like, pipe in and go, uh, what are you talking about all that fake shit for? But then, these same people have in-depth conversations about who would win in a fucking fight between Superman and fucking Spider-Man. And yes, I'm aware there are two different universes. Like, I'm not shitting on people for being into comic books. I'm not shitting on people who are into anime. Like, that's great for them. I'm delighted that you love something so much and that you're passionate about it because I've gone on record to say it before, I feel sorry for people who aren't passionate about something. Like, you have, to, you have to love something, you have to be passionate about something. I think it's always great to have those passions. And I'm passionate about wrestling. I always have been. And I would never shit on someone else for what their passion is. Unless their passion is, you know, killing puppies or something. Then they should probably stop it. But, like, if you like wrestling, like wrestling. But... Yeah, like, I, I, I just, I've never understood the anger people express when they find out someone likes wrestling. And and we always get this thing of, oh, but it's for children. And, like, I'm not going to lie. Yes, there are certain elements of wrestling that are targeted towards children. But there's elements of comic books that are put towards children or that are targeted towards children. 
Uh, I don't really know much about anime, but I would imagine that... Like, I remember Yu-Gi-Oh! when I was growing up, which I've only recently found out was an anime. Like, that's a children's TV show. Like, that was on RTE. Uh, what's it called? That was on The Den on RTE. Like, these things were marketed towards children, but that doesn't mean that there isn't a market there for adults. Wrestling's no different. Like, that's the great thing about wrestling is you can be at any age and there will be something there for you to enjoy. And another thing about wrestling, lads, is just that there's so much... There is something in wrestling for everyone and there are so many different types of wrestling. Like, people think that, oh, it's just oiled up men in underpants pretending to fight each other. But it is so much more than that. And it's amazing. Like, you know, I'm at an age now where, like, I've been on wrestling shows. I used to be a pro wrestling referee. And, like, just seeing what goes into it, seeing the preparation, the training, the the creative process that goes into wrestling. Like, wrestling is the perfect blend between a combat sport and a live theatre show. Like, it is the absolute perfect blend between those two industries, and it's two industries I'm very passionate about, obviously, because I love combat and I love performing. And both of those stem from my love of wrestling. And and yeah, I, I just, like, you know, like Adam Blampier said it perfectly when someone said, Adam, wrestling's fake, and he responded with, so is The Walking Dead, I hope you get syphilis. Now, I don't want anyone out there to get syphilis because, you know, syphilis is quite bad. I've probably talked about syphilis way too much in this episode already, but I digress. You get the point. But this is the thing, like, people go on about, like, their favourite TV shows or their favourite movies, and, like, even at work today, like, you know, I'm a, I'm a huge UFC fan. I love mixed martial arts. I love mixed martial arts because I love wrestling. Like, wrestling got me into mixed martial arts, and... Even people who aren't wrestling fans anymore who love mixed martial arts, a lot of them came from pro wrestling. You know, Brock Lesnar being such a big reason for that. Ken Shamrock, obviously. CM Punk. Okay, maybe not CM Punk, but you know. Anyway. Um, but I, he was saying to me that, like, oh, I stopped watching when I realised it wasn't real and I realised UFC was real. I'm like, okay, does that mean you can't watch, you know, you can't watch Rocky anymore because you found out that wasn't real, but Tyson Fury is real? I just, I just don't get the argument. And, and then there's these people who kind of try and make you think that, like, oh, you can't be a fan of wrestling and MMA. Like, you can be. Like, don't, don't let anyone tell you you can't be. There's this really stupid feud between the two industries. Like, pro wrestling and mixed martial arts both stem from catch wrestling. They both come from the same origins. Like, there would be no mixed martial arts. There would be no UFC without professional wrestling and WWE. And after that 10-minute intro, I think I can finally get into what I'm going to be doing today. Today, I'm going to be talking about... It was supposed to be 15 WWE matches that everybody needs to see, whether you are a fan or not. But oh my god, lads, trying to condense this list down to 15 matches from a company that's been around for 60-plus years is really, really hard. And I got so many people who were annoyed at me when I put this up on TikTok saying, Oh, why are you only picking WWE matches? Why don't you pick some, some IPSFXW matches? I just made that promotion up. I would like to clarify this. There are some amazing promotions outside WWE. There are. AEW are doing some really good things. 
New Japan have been going strong for a very long time. You know, there's lots of other promotions in Japan that do really well. OTT here in Ireland, up in Dublin, do great things. Phoenix here in Munster do some amazing things. You know, there's uh, fucking Ring of Honor. You know, I know they're kind of under the AEW banner now, but they were doing some great things for a long time. You know, ICW over in Scotland, even though they're linked with WWE. Now, like, the point is, there are so many amazing promotions out there with some amazing talent, and I am not overlooking these companies whatsoever. With that said, WWE is the most popular wrestling promotion on the planet. It is the biggest wrestling promotion on the planet. When people think professional wrestling, they think WWE. If you are going to a local independent show, and you tell somebody who's not a wrestling fan, oh, I'm going to a wrestling show this weekend, they will most likely respond with, oh, is that like the WWE? Or the WWF, as it used to be called. (laughs) Like, that's just the way it is. It's the company I grew up watching. It's the company that will always have the biggest place in my heart. It's my favourite company, if I'm being totally honest about it. And I think it's always a good starting point for people who haven't really seen wrestling before to start with WWE. So that's the rule we have today. These are only WWE matches, but maybe in the future I will do another episode where we talk about matches that happened outside WWE. So... There you go. For any people out there who are angry at me because I'm not on Tony Khan's payroll, relax. WWE is the biggest wrestling promotion on the planet. I had one idiot comment, WWE is not professional wrestling, it's sports entertainment. There is literally no difference between sports entertainment and professional wrestling, and I don't care what anyone says. Every single professional wrestling event in the world is scripted. Every single professional wrestling event in the world is predetermined. Yes, WWE are a bit more on the entertainment side in terms of how they present their show and in terms of storylines. And, you know, a company like New Japan, for example, is more technical. It's more kind of in-ring based. But at the end of the day, everything we do is predetermined. So it really doesn't fucking matter about, you know, whether you call it professional wrestling, sports entertainment. It, It really doesn't matter. So anyway, that's that out of the way. Here we go. Funny thing is, lads, I don't even know where to begin with this fucking list. I really don't know where to begin. I think when it comes to professional wrestling and trying to introduce somebody to pro wrestling, you can't go too technical from the get-go. You just can't. That takes a while to build up. It takes a while to build up into, you know, appreciating the art of wrestling and, you know, the... The athletic side of it, the technical side that goes into it, that takes a a while to get, you know, into. It's it's very rare you meet somebody who fell in love at wrestling because they watched a technical wrestling match from the get-go. It's it's not like, you know It's not like that it never happens, but it's rare. And I think my thing, and Kenny Omega, who, funnily enough, is not in WWE, he's a very famous wrestler outside WWE, uh, most famously with New Japan Pro Wrestling, but now obviously with AEW, one of the founding members of AEW, he said something before that, like, he could watch a technical clinic, like, step-by-step match, and he wouldn't consider that a five-star match. But if he can watch kind of a goofy sports entertainment-style match that he has a lot of fun watching and that he can show it to, like, people who he knows who aren't wrestling fans... That, to him, is a five-star match. And I totally agree with Kenny Omega there. And, you know, he's someone who splits opinion as it is. 
So what I'm thinking of matches to kind of, you know, get like started, I'm thinking of great storytelling. I'm thinking of things that happen with like, they're great stories in the ring, but not just because they're technical. It's because the moves mean something. Every move tells a story. Every time someone sells a move, it tells a story. And for me, it's not one match that you start with here. It's four matches. And with these matches, you have to watch a bit of the build up to it as well. These matches are The Undertaker versus Shawn Michaels at WrestleMania 25 and 26, and The Undertaker versus Triple H at WrestleMania's 27 and 28. These are such unfucking believable stories. The Undertaker is my all time favourite wrestler. People know that if they know anything about me and my love at wrestling they know that i love the undertaker he is my all-time favorite for me he's the greatest of all time just got inducted in the hall of fame i have his symbol tattooed onto my right leg i cannot describe how much of an inspiration he's been for me and how much enjoyment i've got watching his career over the years Shawn michaels is probably the most naturally gifted wrestler we've ever seen and i think the only person who really comes close is someone who's still wrestling right now, and that's AJ Styles. That's a match. It's very sad that we never got to see, but listen, here's here's hoping that in some magical way we can see that match happen with both of them in their prime, and like like almost like they did with Rocky Marciano and Muhammad Ali, and they did that like computerized fight. That'd be pretty cool, because, let's be honest, Shawn Michaels can't go as well as he used to. We saw that back at Crown Jewel in 2018. Anyway, I'm getting lost here. But these two are the two greatest of all time, in my opinion. Undertaker and Shawn Michaels, in terms of, you know, the stories they could tell in the ring. So, Undertaker, if you're not familiar, has an undefeated streak at WrestleMania. Sorry, had, had an undefeated streak at WrestleMania. And we'll get on to when that ended in a bit. But this streak, like, this was the most sacred streak, not just in wrestling, but in fucking sports. Like, The Undertaker's undefeated streak at WrestleMania. It mightn't sound exciting when you explain the basics of it, that it was this undead zombie winning matches at a pay-per-view every year. And people would kind of go into it half expecting him to win. But there was, there was always that little hint that they might end it this time around. That mightn't sound that exciting. Lads, it really fucking was. WrestleMania 25, the match between Undertaker and Shawn Michaels is, it's literally heaven versus hell. That's the way they kind of tell the story. It's hard to tell the story of this match and this view without kind of giving spoilers. But essentially, the only way I can describe this match from WrestleMania 25 is that heaven versus hell thing I've just said and... It's just a beautiful story. Like, it's it's a great way to introduce someone to what wrestling really is. How it's not it's not just two people going in there pretending to fight. It is two larger-than-life characters going in to tell an emotional story to get you invested. And to get you to really care about who wins and who loses. This isn't really your typical babyface versus heel. Because they're both kind of babyfaces in this story. Babyface means good guy. Heel means bad guy, for people who don't know. Babyface is often shortened to face. Heel is just heel. It's not short for anything. It's just heel. <laughs> um, but this is two good guys. It's two legends of the industry going at it. And... Spoiler, Undertaker wins the first match. Okay? 
and it's it's unbelievable. Like it's it's a crazy match. It should have been the main event of WrestleMania 25. It wasn't. That went to Triple H and Randy Orton. That match will not be making an appearance on this list. It is what it is. Whatever. Um, Undertaker Shawn Michaels should have gone on last. It's an amazing match. At it's a WrestleMania 25 is a decent WrestleMania, but there's been better. There's de- there's definitely been worse, but there's definitely been better. But it's 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 crazy. It's an amazing match, and. The story that comes from this, if you listened to last week's episode of Straight Outta Klein, you'd have heard that video package that I played at the end of it with Running Up That Hill by Placebo. That was the build-up to the second match, and if you were listening and paying attention, you would know that Undertaker and Shawn Michaels have a rematch the following year, and it's The Undertaker's WrestleMania undefeated streak versus Shawn Michaels' career. And the funny thing about this is that Shawn Michaels reti- like first retired in 1998. And this was due to a back injury he suffered against The Undertaker at Royal Rumble 1998. Which kept getting aggravated and he ended up, you know, dropping the title to Stone Cold that year at WrestleMania. And he retired for four years before he came back in 2002. And here we are again, what, 12 years later? 10 years, or sorry, 8 years after Shawn Michaels returns from retirement... And he's wrestling The Undertaker in the main event at WrestleMania with his career on the line. The ending to this match is the most emotional ending to a wrestling match I've ever seen. And yes, I am counting Shawn Michaels versus Ric Flair from WrestleMania 24 in that sentence as well. We'll come on to that match in a bit. And of course, as well, before I continue, all the comments that were left on TikTok, I will get through as many of them as I can if I didn't mention some of the matches here. But it's the t- WrestleMania 25 match is probably better in terms of the story it told from start to finish overall. But the ending of the WrestleMania 26 match, which was the main event, oh my god, it's just like it, it, it just it makes you it just has you on the edge of your seat. It just really makes you go, oh my god, like I can't believe this is happening. I'm not gonna tell you what it is. You have to go and fucking see it for yourself. Undertaker Shawn Michaels WrestleMania 26. So the following year, Undertaker wrestles Triple H at WrestleMania 27. If you're not familiar with Triple H, he is a former tag team partner of Shawn Michaels in the faction D-Generation X. And it... It's crazy. Like, Undertaker and Triple H had actually already wrestled at WrestleMania at this stage. But Undertaker... Undertaker is a very complex character in the world of professional wrestling. I have told multiple people the story about The Undertaker and they have always been very, very confused. Undertaker is someone who was brought in as this kind of western zombie character uh, under the, uh, well it was actually originally Brother Love who brought him in but then he ended up with Paul Bearer who was um, his manager who controlled all of his movements with an urn. Then he eventually went on to become more, uh, to become more of like a cult leader with the Ministry of Darkness where he would like do like these sacrifices and these like rituals and he led a cult as I say and you know it took like a real dark turn. Then he got injured for a bit and he came back as a biker. So work that one out. Uh, where he was known as the American Badass. And he did that for a while. Then he wrestled Vince McMahon who's the chairman of the company. In a buried alive match. 
But then Undertaker's half-brother Kane interfered in this buried alive match and buried the Undertaker alive. So Undertaker was dead. Then the Undertaker came back from the dead as the dead man and wrestled Kane at WrestleMania 20. So his ultimate revenge for getting buried alive by his half-brother was to beat him in a wrestling match that lasted about seven minutes. And then he just kind of did that for the rest of his career. Makes sense? Great. But that period I mentioned there when he became a biker from the year 2000 up until 2003. WWE didn't really talk about that when he came back in 2004 at WrestleMania 20. They kind of just pretended it didn't happen for some reason. In wrestling, everything makes sense unless it doesn't. But... They had already wrestled at WrestleMania 17, which is actually a very good match, very underrated, at a pay-per-view that many consider to be the greatest WrestleMania of all time. But Undertaker and Triple H have this uh, feud going into WrestleMania 27. Both of them had been gone for a while. Funnily enough, Undertaker had just been buried alive again, but he came back, and this time he didn't get any revenge on Kane because probably just couldn't be arsed this time. Triple H came back from injury, and this led to the match at WrestleMania 27. But obviously the extra added element to the story was that Undertaker had, spoiler alert, beaten Shawn Michaels the year before to end Shawn Michaels' career. Shawn Michaels does make an appearance on one of the episodes of Raw before this match and says that, uh, he says to Triple H, right in front of the Undertaker, what makes you think you could do what I couldn't? So, bit of bit of extra storytelling there. And then Undertaker and Triple H have... One of the most amazing matches I've ever seen. But fuck me, it is massively underrated. For some reason, people just don't talk about the Undertaker Triple H WrestleMania 27 match as much as they should. The match they do talk about the most is the match they had the year after. At WrestleMania 28. Which is Undertaker versus Triple H. At the end of an era match. With Shawn Michaels as special guest referee. Inside of Hell in a Cell. Hell in a Cell is this huge cage-like structure which surrounds the ring. And we'll talk more about Hell in a Cell in a bit. Because to be honest with you, in this Hell in a Cell match, it was just the cell was just kind of there. Like, looking back, they probably could have just done without it, but whatever. I like this match. <coughs> Excuse me. I just completely choked up there. I like this match. I don't. I don't love it. But that's just me. Everybody else and their fucking dog idolises this match. I interviewed Raven Creed, who is a local wrestler here in Munster, uh, about this match. I think she said this was like one of the matches that like made her become a wrestling fan. Which I can understand, like, that's another reason why I'm putting it on this list, because I know that it literally made somebody a fan. But I remember watching this match. I think this is when I kind of went, okay, look, I kind of know The Undertaker is going to win this, and I feel like I'm just not really getting into this. But... Everybody else really digs this match. And I, I watched it back recently enough, and I went, you know what? It's actually better than I remember. I never thought it was bad. I just think the WrestleMania 27 match is way better. But that's another reason that people should check out these matches, is to see which one of these four are your favourites, but especially with Undertaker versus Triple H. Which one of those matches do you think is better? Because I think it's fairly landslide that people prefer WrestleMania 25 Undertaker, Shawn Michaels, then WrestleMania 26. But WrestleMania 27 and 28 
I've seen a few more people say they prefer 28 to 27, but the 27 crowd, like myself, are getting a bit louder uh, in recent years. But from a non-fan's perspective as well, I would love to know what you have to say. So those are the first matches you should check out. Undertaker versus Triple H at WrestleMania 27 and 28. And, of course, before that, check out Undertaker versus Shawn Michaels from WrestleMania 25 and 26. Moving on. Fuck it, let's get straight into the Hell in a Cell. So the first ever Hell in a Cell match was actually between The Undertaker and Shawn Michaels. At Bad Blood 1997. And that's where his aforementioned half-brother Kane, Undertaker's half-brother Kane, uh, would actually make his debut. Now it's a quality match, and I would recommend checking it out. But it's not the match I'm going to talk about right now on this list. I say list, this isn't really much of a list. This is just, well it is, but it's not like a tiered list I suppose. The match I am going to talk about, the Hell in a Cell match I'm going to talk about, is The Undertaker versus Mankind at King of the Ring 1998. So earlier when I was talking about, you know, the whole thing about wrestling being fake and people like giving it shit because it's not a real fight. This match shows you the absolute carnage that can ensue in a professional wrestling match and then some. This is pretty much the, this is like the kind of blurring of the lines between what's real and what's not in professional wrestling in terms of the risk you put, the the way you risk your body for this industry. Undertaker versus Mankind, King of the Ring 1998. How Mankind, Mick Foley, the man behind Mankind, how he is still able to walk after this, I have absolutely no idea. So again, the Hell in the Cell, as I mentioned, is this huge cage-like structure. It's like fucking I, I like how many how fucking tall is Hell the Hell in the Cell? It's like it's like twenty feet fucking tall. I can't be arsed googling it because my fucking laptop is really slow. But it's like twenty feet fucking tall. It's like it's huge. And Undertaker throws mankind off this structure through a table and knocks him out unconscious. And this isn't me talking kayfabe, which means within the story. This legitimately happened. I will never be able to do it justice by explaining it. You just have to see this match. You, you, If there is one match, one, that you are going to watch from this list, it's this one. Make sure it's this one. Because Mankind, Mick Foley, somehow gets up from this. They end up going back on top of the cell. Undertaker chokeslams Mankind, who goes through the cell. As he falls through the cell and lands on the ring. A chair inadvertently hits him in the face. And one of his teeth pushes up through his nose. This is almost like the match that, you know, made WWF at the time go, people think this is fake, huh? People think this is just all a bunch of fucking nonsense and people think this is just a bunch of bullshit. We'll show them different. Boy, they fucking did. It's crazy to think that this match is nearly as old as me. Because this happened the same year I was born. But I cannot explain to you enough how much you need to see this match if you haven't already. 
it's not even like it's not even so much a match it's like it's just like a fucking I don't even know how to describe it. it it's just like calling it a wrestling match is almost being a little bit unfair to it it's complete and utter fucking chaos and it just goes to show the lengths that people will go to to entertain the fans and the lack of respect that this business gets it's it's just crazy it is just crazy to me how this you know you know people can watch soap operas every week like coronation street which i i'm just on the topic of coronation street coronation street is actually not a bad show coronation street is actually okay to be honest <laughs> but like people can watch coronation street fair city eastenders I feel like I'm forgetting one. Um, Emmerdale. And they get invested in the stories. And like even in soap operas. Like sometimes the acting isn't great. Admittedly sometimes in wrestling the acting is not great. But. At the same time lads. It's not even. Like sometimes bad acting can almost make something a bit more enjoyable. Wrestling is fucking silly. Wrestling is very fucking silly. I would be the first one to tell you that. But oh my god, lads, when it's done right, and when it's done just, like, by some of the best, it is the most beautiful form of entertainment you can you can watch. I firmly believe that. I believe there is something in this business for everybody. But as I said, it will just forever have this disrespect put towards it because it's... It's a simulation of a combat sport and people for some reason get offended by this and get angry that these people aren't in a legitimate fight. As if that matters. Like UFC is literally there. If you want to watch real fighting, just go watch that. And again, you can be a UFC fan and a wrestling fan. I'm an example of that. But this match just shows like... we. It shows that like, you know, we are... You know, this is a tough industry. We are... Not to be fucked with in this industry. And it's, there's, you know, it, it's it's a show, it's entertainment, but there is a hell of a lot of real to it as well. It's a lot more fucking real than people think. Please just go watch this match. Please just go and fucking watch this match. That That's what I will say from that. Sticking to the entertainment side of things, I think another match you could check out, and this is one that is kind of interesting because... It's actually kind of a sloppy match. But because these people tell such a good story, it doesn't really matter. And that's John Cena versus CM Punk from Money in the Bank 2011. So again, this is where you know art almost imitates life. Or life imitates art, whatever way you want to say that. So John Cena is wrestling CM Punk at... Money in the Bank 2011. Sorry, I can hear someone in the hall and it really distracts me there. I apologise. John Cena versus CM Punk. Money in the Bank 2011. So, CM Punk at this stage, you know, CM Punk, the greatest mixed martial artist of all time, for those of you who aren't aware. Um, sorry, Punk. I had, to, I had to make a little joke about it. But anyway, Punk uh, was actually in a contract dispute with WWE. He felt like he wasn't getting the respect he deserved. He felt like he wasn't getting the opportunities he deserved. Um, that, you know, he wasn't being given the creative freedom not just creative freedom, but he wasn't being given enough input on his creative process, and he wanted to leave. John Cena, I'm sure everyone here is familiar with John Cena, you know, I'm already waiting for, or expecting the comments of, why are you talking about CM Punk wrestling 
Nobody. You know, if people go and check out this match, like, why is CM Punk in the ring by himself? Why is he wrestling nobody? Funny. Fun fact, John Cena follows me on Twitter, and so should you. Link in the bio. Uh, not bio, description. Anyway, there, Cena is like, he's, especially at this stage, he is the top guy in WWE, and he has been at this stage in 2011 for about five years. Yeah, yeah, well, actually maybe more six years. Yeah, six years, because it would have been 05 to 11, or to 011, Jeremy, to 2011 at this stage. If I sound a bit stuffy, lads, I do have a bit of a blocked nose, so I do apologise. But John Cena at this stage has been the top guy since 2005, and he is not exactly loved by everybody at this time. John Cena is a very polarising figure at the best of times. He's definitely a lot more loved now, like the day I'm recording this part of the episode, he's actually... Today is actually his 20-year anniversary in WWE, the 27th of June. But, um, you know, he's a lot more loved these days than he was back in 2011. But, uh, yeah, he like the mixed reactions Cena would get at this stage were absolutely incredible. So, Punk is having these contract disputes, but he ends up cutting a pipe bomb promo on John Cena on Raw Roulette in 2011. Essentially, he just started talking about things that weren't on the script. He just went... So, what we call this in wrestling is a worked shoot promo. Meaning that he was talking, he was blurring the lines between fiction and reality, but this was... He was told to to do that, if that makes sense. So, this was a real promo in a scripted way, if that makes sense. And it ended up becoming John Cena defending his WWE title in the hometown of CM Punk, Chicago, Illinois. And CM Punk told everyone he was leaving WWE because he hadn't signed a new contract and he was leaving with the WWE title. This match has a lot of botches in it, if I'm being honest. It's one of Punk's more sloppier matches and... You know, I've seen CM Punk wrestle in AEW a little bit recently, and as much as I love CM Punk, he's been a big inspiration of mine growing up, especially as a teenager. He was just my absolute fucking idol. If you go onto TikTok, you'll probably hear... Yeah, you can actually hear my reaction to CM Punk. You know what? I'm going to play it here. Oh, God, that's... uh... (laughs) Why? Why does TikTok always have to be playing something dodgy? So if you heard someone say they wanted a cuddle, that's that bullshit between fucking, um, what's his name? Ed Matthews, I think is his name, and Simon, Simple Simon on TikTok. Like, that's just a load of bullshit, if I'm being honest. I don't even care if they're really fighting each other. That's just complete and utter bullshit. But anyway, if we go back here, you will hear my reaction to CM Punk returning to the pro wrestling world after seven years when he showed up on the uh, second... Was it the first ever episode of Rampage, or was it the second? It was the second ever episode of AAW Rampage, wasn't it? Sorry, it took me a little while to find it, but uh, here we go. So... It's easy. I'm shaking. See? CM Punk is fucking here! Oh my god! I cannot believe... This... Lads, you do not understand. Punk is... He has been my hero since I was a teenager. This, I have idolised this man for so long. I know you can't really see me right now. But CM Punk is back! <laughs> I am, oh my god! I cannot believe this is happening! So yeah, that's how excited I was about CM Punk returning to the professional wrestling world. And I do love CM Punk, but admittedly, like, 
you know, I think he's trying to wrestle the way he did back in, you know, his his prime. You know, let's be honest, he's not in his prime anymore. And, you know, he's become a little bit more sloppy, which is sad to see, especially now that he's injured. But, um, yeah, fucking, this match between him and John Cena, it's a very sloppy match. Lads, just to warn you as well, this is going to be a fucking long episode. I just realised I'm 39 minutes in. Oh my god. But anyway, fuck it, let's just keep going. No, fuck, I'm not sorry. Ye are lucky, in a way, that I haven't made this a fucking wrestling podcast full stop. So, you can leave me off at one fucking episode. (laughs) But, um, CM Punk and John Cena have this great story that they tell in the ring. But it is a little bit sloppy in terms of how they perform the moves. But... Again, I, uh, you see, it's hard to tell these, talk about these matches even without spoiling it. But Punk and Cena, as I say, are you know Cena is wrestling to protect the WWE title to keep it within the company. Punk is looking to win it so he can bring it with him wherever the fuck he wants to go. And you should really watch it because something very interesting happens. Let me just say that. Yeah, CM Punk versus John Cena, Money in the Bank 2011 is the next one. Up next, I actually don't know which one of these matches I'm going to pick, but I'm going to describe a annual tradition that WWE do every single year. And to be honest, lads, it's kind of take your pick with this one. I will mention a few that are definitely worth watching, but it really is take your pick. So, you may be familiar with a concept in WWE known as the Royal Rumble. The Royal Rumble is WWE's best match, most exciting match, I should say, every single year. So what it is, is every January, at the pay-per-view under the same name, Royal Rumble, WWE have this 30-man over-the-top rope battle royal. Now, in the last few years, they actually have two Royal Rumble matches. They have one for the men and one for the women. But the first ever women's match, uh, Royal Rumble match, was in 2018, so there hasn't been that many of them. They've actually... This year's women's Royal Rumble was better than the men's one, in my opinion. But I'm not, like, throwing shade at any of the women's Royal Rumbles, but they're still quite new. So mainly we're just going to focus on the men's Royal Rumble matches for now. But if you're going to watch a women's one, watch this year's one. It was very good. Um, But they have this 30-person over-the-top rope battle royal, where the winner gets a... World Heavyweight Championship match at WrestleMania. So Royal Rumble is always in January. WrestleMania is either is always either in March or April. So it's always two or three months later. And these matches are for everybody. Every single person on the planet can enjoy a Royal Rumble match. They can watch and enjoy a Royal Rumble match. There have been some absolute belters when it comes to the Royal Rumble. It's hard for me just to pick one. I'll be honest with you, don't watch this year's men's one. It wasn't really that good. There was a couple of fun spots in it, but overall it wasn't one of the better ones. If I had to recommend five Royal Rumble matches for you to watch, my top five would probably be 2008 in Madison Square Garden, 2018, ten years later, 2001, is, I would say, the majority of people's favourite. It's very good. Personally, 2008 is my favourite, but that's because I watched it, 
I didn't watch it live. I watched it the day after, whereas the 2001 Royal Rumble, I was a bit young, so I didn't get to see it till a few years later. But so, yeah, so 2008, 2018, 2001. But yeah, the 2001 Royal Rumble is what many consider the best, or at least their favourite. 2018 has recently become what people consider the best, and it is very good. I would also recommend the 2010 Royal Rumble. A very overlooked Royal Rumble, but it's a very good one. And also the 2020 Royal Rumble. Those are the five I would recommend. But pretty much, you can kind of take your pick. But if I was to recommend, like, a few that stand out, I would recommend those five. I have watched Royal Rumbles with all different types of people. Lapsed fans, non-fans, hardcore fans, people who love wrestling but aren't WWE fans... Everybody loves the Royal Rumble. That's what I can tell you. It's it's exciting. So I, I also didn't explain how the fucking match works. I know I said 30 person over the top rope. So two people start and every 90 seconds, even though sometimes it's shorter than 90 seconds, sometimes it's longer, a new entrant enters the match. And the only way to win it is to throw your opponent over the top rope and both feet have to hit the floor until... You're the last man standing. That's how you win the Royal Rumble. And then you get a World Heavyweight Championship match at WrestleMania. There have been two occasions where the Royal Rumble match actually had the WWE title on the line. 2016, Roman Reigns defended the WWE title in the Royal Rumble match. And that's actually a pretty good Royal Rumble as well. And Ric Flair won a Royal Rumble to win the WWE title, WWF title at the time. But I think it was actually vacated. What year... Did Ric Flair win it? Let me actually... I can't remember the year off the top of my head. It was in the 90s. I know that. So Ric Flair wins Royal... Oopsie daisy. Ric Flair... Come on, you fucking assholes. Ric Flair wins Royal Rumble. 1992. Of course, yeah. 1992, of course it was. Yeah, that's another one that people consider uh, one of the best Rumbles of all time. Little bit before my time, admittedly. But, um... Yeah, like, the Royal Rumble matches back then were a little bit different. But if you want to check out like a really old school match, yeah, maybe that's not a bad one to to check out. But yeah, the, the top five Royal Rumbles that I would recommend would be 2008, 2018, 2001, 2010, and 2020. So take your pick from, from any of them. Up next, in terms of a match I would recommend, is between two bona fide amateur wrestlers. So... I've spoke about this on this show a few times about, of course, there is professional wrestling and there is amateur wrestling. Professional wrestling, of course, is what we are talking about today, which is what you would see in WWE. And amateur wrestling is what you would see in the Olympics, also known as freestyle wrestling. Of course, there's Greco-Roman as well, but in relation to the two people I'm about to talk about right here, we have a Olympic gold medalist and an NCAA two-time Division I heavyweight champion. I am talking about Kurt Angle versus Brock Lesnar. And this isn't really one match. This is almost two matches. You have their WrestleMania main event in 2003 at WrestleMania 19 for the WWE title. And you also have an Ironman match, which is... If for those who don't know, an Ironman match is a match where there is a time limit. Sometimes it's 30 minutes, sometimes it's 60 minutes. And whoever racks up the most pinfalls or submissions 
wins the match in that time frame. But Kurt Angle and Brock Lesnar had another match for the WWE title, which was an Iron Man match on an episode of SmackDown, also in 2003. The reason I pick this match, or the, sorry, excuse me, the reason I pick these matches with these wrestlers is because this just goes to show how legit combat sport athletes can transition into becoming amazing professional wrestlers. Kurt Angle and Brock Lesnar are two of the absolute best, and both came from the amateur wrestling scene. Kurt Angle, 1996 Olympic gold medalist, won it with a broken freaking neck. And of course, I'm going to mention it, Kurt Angle is someone who I have absolutely idolised my whole life. He's the reason I'm a Christian, and I was lucky enough to meet him two months ago in Cork, and oh my god, what a nice man. God bless you, Kurt. I love you so much. And Brock Lesnar is just an absolute freak of nature. Not only did he prove himself on the amateur wrestling circuit, not only did he go on to become a huge star in WWE, he also went on to become the UFC heavyweight champion of the world. So these guys are about as legit as it fucking gets. And they just are a pure example of how if people are willing to let go of some of those instincts that they have from the combat sport world, the shoot combat sport world, you can have a great career in professional wrestling. Kurt Angle and Brock Lesnar have both been open about how in their amateur wrestling days they were always told not to watch pro wrestling. I think Kurt Angle more so than Brock Lesnar. They were always kind of turned away from it, that they were the real thing and that pro wrestling was fake and that it was making a mockery of amateur wrestling. But Kurt Angle said himself, like, he turned down his initial offer to go to WWE in 1996 after he won the gold medal. Because, as he infamously told Vince McMahon, Vince, I can never lose. (laughs) I'm an Olympic gold medalist. I haven't lost a match in years. If I come in here, I can't lose a match. Because he said he didn't understand it. But then when he started watching WWE in 1998, he realized this is not fake fighting. This is larger than life world-class athletes putting on an epic performance. Brock Lesnar, who... Like, Brock Lesnar, if he decided he wanted to play in the Premier League tomorrow, he could probably fucking do it. He, he's Brock fucking Lesnar. He can do whatever he wants. But these two just didn't know how to have a bad match. They just fucking didn't. And, again, as I say, like, you know, there's always this thing of, like, oh, but these lads would never last in a real fight. Well, these two have proven that they fucking can. Kurt Angle just, like unbelievably gifted with his technical ability the greatest technical wrestler to come from an amateur background and then Brock as I said just an absolute gorilla of a fucking human being you know for someone to move as quick as he does whilst being that size you know 265 plus pounds at 6 foot 3 inches tall it's ridiculous another crazy thing about the match they have on Smackdown in 2003 the Iron Man match is Kurt Angle said this in Cork, and I never knew this, but he, he said this at the Inside the Ropes event in Cork, where I met him a couple of months ago, that uh, his sister actually died the day before this match. And they gave him the option to go home and not have the match, but he wrestled this match in honour of his sister. So, wow, that's just absolutely crazy. That is mental to me that Kurt Angle was able to do that. Imagine the mental strength that must take to know you're having a 30-minute match, not just with anybody, but with Brock fucking Lesnar. And then to have in the back of your mind that your sister has passed away. 
Like, that's just fucking, like, I, honest to God, like, the, and this is why wrestlers deserve so much more respect. They're on hectic schedules. They're on the road, you know, 300 nights a year. Away from their families. They're missing birthdays, anniversaries, you know, Halloweens, fucking, you know, they're missing their kids growing up. Like, it's just, it's a crazy life to live. Always being on the road, putting your body through absolute hell for the entertainment of fans around the world. But it just still doesn't get the respect it deserves. And I, I know I keep kind of going back to that, but it does get to me. And I think these two are absolute proof that if you just actually give it a chance, you can enjoy it. And these are two guys who could have gone into the MMA world maybe sooner than they did in terms of, you know, Brock Lesnar. Obviously, Brock uh, joined WWE in 2001, I think is when he, or 2000 was it, when he joined the developmental just after the NCAA Championships and debuted on the main roster in 2002. Kurt Angle joined in 1998. But, like, these guys could have both gone straight into MMA, but they went into pro wrestling. And, yes, I'm sure the money was something that obviously would have turned their attention to it, but money isn't worth your happiness, as they can both tell you, Kurt Angle and Brock Lesnar, because they've both been through um, situations where that's come up. But they were able to show how you can transition into the world of pro wrestling and that it is you know for athletes you cannot be a wrestler without being an athlete it's just not possible and yes I'm aware my voice just cracked but it is not possible to be an athlete excuse me to be a wrestler without being an athlete but yeah anyways to get on with the matches um, it's it's amazing because there's parts of this story with Kurt Angle and Brock Lesnar that you know it is about you know the two greatest amateur wrestlers of all time that went into pro wrestling going at it but there's some comedy skits as well that they do in the lead up to uh, their SummerSlam match as well in 2003. Um, you know the, the the feud they had around WrestleMania going into the summer of that year. They do a lot of comedy angles as well, and it just goes to show like the different kind of you know elements to their characters. They could be serious when they needed to be. They could be goofy when they needed to be. They could be funny when they needed to be. But at the end of the day, they could fucking have five-star quality matches non-stop. You know, that was always the best, you know, that's why people consider Kurt Angle to be one of the best of all time because he's a guy who, you know, if he wanted to, he could take himself too seriously. Olympic gold medalist, won it with a broken freaking neck, could take on anybody in the WWE roster without any fear of losing, <laughs> but was always willing to make an ass of himself for the entertainment of the fans because he knew he could back it up. He had nothing to prove to anybody, so... That was the beauty of Kurt Angle. But yeah, uh, really take your pick with these with these guys, either WrestleMania 19, which is infamous for a botch at the very end of the match, where Brock Lesnar... It, so it's crazy. Kurt Angle actually goes into the WrestleMania 19 match with a broken neck. He broke his neck again at No Way Out 2003, and he originally was going to pull out of the WrestleMania main event to have surgery, but he opted to wrestle it instead because his neighbor, who has Down Syndrome was really excited to see him wrestle and Kurt didn't want to let him down. So he decided to wrestle the match with a broken neck. And Brock Lesnar attempts a shooting star press at the end of the match, which is a backflip somersault type move and lands right in his fucking head and nearly breaks his neck. So yeah, he was lucky to escape with a concussion. But you can either pick between that match or their match... Um, in the summer of 2003, the Iron Man match on SmackDown. So up next is an interesting match, right? Because I 
know that I've said I've always loved wrestling my whole life. However, there was a brief period in 2013 to 2014 where I actually took a little bit of a break from it. I was a bit burned out. I wasn't getting the same enjoyment from the product that I had, um, you know, years prior. And I decided I was going to take some time away. And as shocking as that might seem to some people now, that there was a time period where, not that I didn't consider myself a wrestling fan, but that I actually kind of just backed away from it for a while. It did happen. There was a period where I really wasn't watching it that much. I was hearing things here and there about it. I would catch the odd pay-per-view here and there. But I was a bit tuned out of it. I didn't really know a lot of what was going on. And then a show in 2014 called NXT TakeOver or Evolution happened. And that show in general made me fall back in love with the world of professional wrestling. But in particular, there was one match. Sami Zayn versus Adrian Neville for the NXT Championship. So for those of you that don't know, NXT is a part of WWE. But it is not on the main roster, if that makes sense. So the main roster is SmackDown, Raw, and... They have other shows called like main event and like, you know, kind of B shows. But Raw and SmackDown are the two flagship shows for WWE. And NXT is the developmental show. There was a time where it was just the third brand. It wasn't the developmental show anymore. But now and at this time period, it's the developmental show. It's where they bring in talent from all around the world, develop them uh, to learn the WWE style. And, you know, make the, you know the, the plan is to get them ready for a call up to Raw or SmackDown. But from 2014 to probably 2018, NXT was the hottest thing in WWE. It was the best brand the company had. It was putting on some quality matches with some insane storytelling. I tell a small lie. It was actually the month before this show. I was at a WWE show where Sami Zayn and Adrian Neville had a match that I saw in person. And that made me go holy crap, I need to check out this NXT thing. This looks really good. Because I was starting to kind of get back into WWE at this point. Um, and, and wrestling outside WWE as well. But it was the lead up to this show and the show itself that just made me fall absolutely back in love with it. Once again, it's kind of your... It's not good guy versus bad guy. It's actually two good guys going up against each other. Although... Adrian Neville plays the heel more in this match than Sami Zayn does. So Sami Zayn is kind of the babyface and Adrian Neville is the heel. And the match is, again, it's another uh, kind of streak versus career match style of, of wrestling match. It's Adrian Neville's NXT title, which he held the longest title reign at this time, versus Sami Zayn's NXT career. I was crying when Sami Zayn won this match. Yes, I'm spoiling it again. I don't care. You can you can watch these matches knowing who wins and still really enjoy them. But oh my God, it is such a beautiful match. And not only did this match make me fall back in love at wrestling, I have got to meet both Sami Zayn and Adrian Neville and tell them that this match made me fall back in love at wrestling. It's just absolutely bonkers to me that I've... I've got to meet both of them and tell them that. It was funny. I met Adrian Neville in person. He now wrestles under the name Pac uh, in AEW. And I actually got to meet him at an OTT show in Cork back in 2019. 
And with Sami Zayn, I got to have a virtual meet and greet with him over a Zoom call uh, where we had, a, I think, three or four minute conversation. The full conversation is actually up on YouTube and on my TikTok if you want to check it out. And yeah, I got to tell Sami Zayn um, that I or that he made me fall back in love with wrestling. Uh, I'll leave a link for that um, in the description. I honestly I could edit it into this podcast, but I'm just I'm too fucking lazy. And I think people have heard the clip enough. But if you haven't, go into the, uh, into the, the description of this episode now, and the link will be there for um, that conversation. But yeah, um, yeah, just check out this match. Check out that show in general. Obviously, this show as well. You have Ireland's own Finn Balor. Uh, making his uh, demon entrance debut. Uh, so Finn Balor is a wrestler from Bray County Wicklow, who wrestled eight years in Japan. He actually started the wrestling scene in Ireland with a guy called Paul Tracy. So they're the two kind of founders of Irish wrestling in, in you know, like ever. <laughs> like they, they are the founding fathers of professional wrestling in Ireland, really, when you think about it. Um, so you can thank them for the way the scene is today. But... Uh, yeah, he debuts on this, not debuts, but he has, uh, so he does this thing where he comes, like, you know, he's this normal, cool kind of character, you know, normal guy with, like, a leather jacket and does this really cool entrance, but he also has this alter ego called the Demon King. So his real name is Fargal Devitt, but the name Finn Balor actually derives from two characters from Irish mythology, Finn McCool and Balor. So there's that kind of cool Irish mythology element to it as well. And of course we have Becky Lynch, who, who has obviously been killing it on the main roster for the last few years, and Seamus as well. Like, Seamus was the first guy from the Republic of Ireland to really make it big here, and or to make it big over there, I should say, and he was the first ever Irish WWE champion. Finn Balor is the first ever Irish NXT champion and the first ever Universal champion, and Becky Lynch is the first ever female to win the main event of WrestleMania. So that's just absolutely mental that we've had three people from this small island go on to do unbelievable things and of course a shout out to Finley as well but of course Finley is from Northern Ireland but considers himself an Irishman so we have to give Finley a shout out as well but yeah Sami Zayn versus Adrian Neville just it is kind of going along the more kind of technical side of things when it comes to this match but it's a technical match with a great story to it so yeah definitely check it out up next is just a bonkers match and so this is my second recording session. And I think on the third one, I'll just talk about matches that are just absolutely like ridiculously silly, but you have to check them out. But the best thing about wrestling is that it's not just your standard one versus one. There is obviously tag team matches, which is 2v2. You get six man tag matches, which is 3v3. You can get eight man tag matches. You can have 10 man tag matches. You know, we have the 30-man Royal Rumble, 30-person Royal Rumble, I should say, because now, obviously, women have Royal Rumbles as well. But also, in wrestling, we have gimmick matches. Just like with Hell in a Cell, or death matches. But, you know, WWE calling them death matches is a bit of a stretch. But, you know, we have gimmick matches, yeah, is probably the right term. And the match I'm recommending up next is TLC2. So a TLC match is a table, ladders, and chairs match where you have... So you have your traditional ladder match, which is where there is a title or a briefcase sometimes hanging above the ring, and whoever retrieves the title or briefcase wins the match, but you get to use the ladder as a weapon, and they're absolutely fantastic matches. The match after this actually is just your standard ladder match. But then you have a TLC match, which is a tables, ladders, and chair match. So, again, sometimes there is 
titles hanging from well actually yeah, I think in every TLC match there's been there's been a title hanging from the from above from above the ring but I think there might have been one or two actually where it was just pinfall or submission if memory is serving me correctly but anyway there is the added bonus of using tables and chairs now there's obviously a tables match as well which is a match where the only way to win is by putting your opponent through a table. And there have been chairs matches, but to be honest with you, they're kind of pointless. They were kind of shit. But the chair is obviously a weapon that's used an awful lot in the world of professional wrestling. We also had a stairs match before, which is kind of weird. But anyway, the less said about that, the better. But this TLC match was not a one-on-one match. It was a triple threat tag team match. And it was also the second one. It wasn't even the first one. The first one is really good at SummerSlam 2000, but the second one is the most iconic one. It is between the tag teams of Edge and Christian, Jeff and Matt Hardy, also known as the Hardy Boys or Team Extreme, and the Dudley Boys, Devon and Bubba Ray Dudley. Three of the most famous tag teams of all time, three of the best tag teams of all time, three of the most iconic tag teams of all time, and at this stage, the three top tag teams in the company. This match is another example of what separates wrestling from every other form of sport or entertainment where, as I say, it's not just your standard one-on-one match. The added, like, use of weapons and, like, the insane spots that you see in this match. So a spot, for those who don't know, is essentially a word for a stunt. And there's one particular spot in this match where Edge completely fucks up Jeff Hardy, let's just say. He completely fucks him up in a spot that admittedly looks a bit choreographed. And this is the thing with wrestling, is that some things will look a bit planned, but if they're executed well, you can forgive how, you know, shady it looks, for for lack of a better term. There really isn't too many words, too many other words to describe this match other than just phenomenal. It is... It's a match where, like, you cannot take your eyes off it because there's just so much happening. We also get to see some outside interference in this match as well, which is uh, is, is another added element of wrestling matches, which is you never know who's going to turn up and, like, how they're going to turn up, when they're going to turn up. It's, it's, it's incredible. It is absolutely incredible, this match. If you want to see a more traditional ladder match, which is essentially, like, just ladders on display... There is so many to pick from, and I actually struggled to think of just one. But the one I'm going to pick also involves Jeff Hardy, who is in the TLC2 match, and a man I've already spoken about a good bit today, The Undertaker. This took place on an an episode of Raw in 2002. I just bit my tongue, that really hurt. Ow. Fuck. Anyways, just going to fight through the pain. If Kurt Angle can win a gold medal with a broken neck, I can get through this episode with a... Bitten frickin' tongue. <laughs> but it's Undertaker versus Jeff Hardy for the WWF title. I think it was WWF at this point. Still, I think this was just before they became WWE, if memory is serving me correctly. But either way, it was for the title. On a ladder match, or in a ladder match, I should say. I think I already said on Raw. Yeah. And this match is a great example of how you don't need to win a wrestling match to get over. You don't need to win a wrestling match to impress the fans. And sometimes you can actually become more popular by losing. There's the infamous line in this match where Jeff Hardy is climbing the ladder. He looks like he's about to retrieve the title. And JR says the famous line, Go on, kid! Make yourself famous! And he doesn't. He loses. 
But that doesn't tell the full story. This is an example of how getting close to winning a match, like telling that story of how the underdog very nearly wins, is almost as powerful as when the underdog actually wins. Because after this match, Jeff Hardy, like Jeff Hardy's the one who steals the show in this match because nobody is expecting him to get anywhere near winning this match. And then when he actually does nearly win it, it is, it's spine tingling. It is absolutely spine tingling when you see this. That's the ladder match I would go with. There is the, well, it's technically not the first ever ladder match, but it's the first kind of mainstream, like, you know, ladder match that people think of. It's from 1994, WrestleMania 10. Sh- uh, Shawn Michaels versus Razor Ramon. God rest Razor Ramon, a.k.a. Scott Hall, who died earlier this year. And it's a great match for its time, but I think there's been better ladder matches since. But that's like the original ladder match if you want to go and check that one out. But if I was going to recommend one ladder match, it would be Undertaker Jeff Hardy. Another great thing about wrestling is when you have two huge stars that are absolutely just larger than life that go head to head on the biggest show of the year. And that took place in 2001 on the same show as TLC2, WrestleMania X7, which many consider to be the greatest WrestleMania of all time. And this is the main event of WrestleMania X7, The Rock versus Stone Cold Steve Austin for the WWF Championship. These two guys were unbelievably huge at this point in terms of popularity. The Rock obviously now is Hollywood's like most famous actor, the richest actor, and like everybody now has heard of Dwayne The Rock Johnson. But people forget like sometimes what a big deal he was in WWE. Like those who kind of shit on WWE who love The Rock, they forget like that, you know, the reason he's as big as he is now is because of his time in WWE. Because wrestling fans, we are a loyal bunch of fans. You know, we did back CM Punk when he went to fight in the UFC. When, let's be honest, it was never going to go well. Even the people who didn't like CM Punk were hoping that he would win. Just because he was representing the world of professional wrestling in there. But, yeah, that's, you know... The Rock is as popular as he is because of his time in WWE. Don't at me. And he takes on Stone Cold Steve Austin here in a match that is... Great in terms of the story it tells, yes, but just feels, it just has that big fight feel to it. You know, like when Conor McGregor fought Habib Nurmagomedov in 2018. Like, it just felt like these are the two biggest guys in the sport of mixed martial arts at the moment. This was that um, multiplied by 10. Because it was the two biggest stars in mainstream media when it came to professional wrestling at the biggest show of the year. In front of what, like 50,000 fans in that dome in Houston at WrestleMania for the company's title. And it's funny because they've had three matches at WrestleMania and this one probably isn't even my favorite. My favorite is probably their match at WrestleMania 19, which was actually Stone Cold's last match up until this year when he wrestled Kevin Owens in the main event of night one of WrestleMania 38. Another match people should check out. But yeah, I, I think this match just goes to show like how the two biggest stars at you know, because we were blessed at that time in wrestling that we had The Rock and Austin there at the same time. Like, that very rarely happens when you have two stars of equal equal kind of magnitude going at it. You know, it's, it's one of the greatest feuds in wrestling history, Rock and Austin. And the ending of this match, like, there's a huge twist in the tale. 
like you know you really have to like maybe look into before you watch this match maybe you know if you're not familiar with it maybe look into the the history of the rock and stone cold steve austin's feud and stone stone cold steve austin's feud with vince mcmahon his rivalry with vince mcmahon because there's a huge twist at the end of this match which is just absolutely fantastic like another great match stone cold steve austin has is at wrestlemania 13 against bret hart so obviously i've been talking about good guys versus bad guys a lot in this you know in this episode in that match, Stone Cold Steve Austin enters that match as the heel, as the bad guy. And Bret Hart enters as the good guy. At the end of that match, Stone Cold becomes the good guy and Bret Hart becomes the bad guy. So that's another match you should check out. Like, this is why I couldn't condense it down to 15 matches, because I'm just hopping from one match to another here. And, yeah. Brock Austin, the, the atmosphere for this match is just electric. And speaking of matches that are electric because of the atmosphere. The following year, another match between two huge stars. So this was like a star from the past facing the star of the present. It was The Rock versus Hollywood Hulk Hogan. If you watch this match with the sound turned off, it's really nothing special. If you watch this match with the volume turned up, oh my god, it is unbelievable. It's one of those matches that you watch and you see the crowd interaction and you're there like, I want to be there. I wish I was there. Is there a way that I can travel back in time and travel to Toronto and go into that building to be there for this match? That is how amazing Rock vs. Hogan is. It's another example of how Getting people engaged in a wrestling match doesn't just come down to technical in-ring ability. It is mainly about storytelling and how you sell yourself as a character. And I don't think there's a better example of that match than The Rock versus Hulk Hogan from WrestleMania 18. Just fucking watch it. Just watch it. Now, this is the thing I've been kind of dreading with this episode, lads. This is a match that I was debating whether I was going to put in this list or not. And it's a match that is very technical. So let's just say you disagree with me and you're like, no, Dylan, I would like to give a technical wrestling match a try. Why not? Why not give me one? Okay, I will give you one. But this is kind of a touchy subject in the world of pro wrestling. So this match is from Royal Rumble 2003. It's another match for the WWE title. It is Kurt Angle versus Chris Benoit. Now, that name might sound familiar to a few of you, maybe all of you, the name Chris Benoit. If you're not familiar with Chris Benoit, he is someone who was one of the greatest technical wrestlers to ever lace up a pair of boots. Like, unbelievably gifted. Like, amongst the five greatest wrestlers I've ever seen in terms of just his in-ring ability. His promos and like his character left a lot to be desired, but in terms of like his just sharpness and his in-ring ability... Second to very little, if any. However, last week, it was the 15th anniversary of Chris Benoit's death. And his death also saw the death of two others. He, over the course of three days, from the 22nd of June 2007 to the 24th of June 2007, uh, killed his wife Nancy, smothered his seven-year-old son Daniel... And then committed suicide by hanging himself. It's the darkest day in the history of professional wrestling. 
it's something that has had an unbelievable impact on how WWE's business model changed. Uh, he has been blacklisted from the company. They have not mentioned him since. They don't promote his matches. His matches are still on the WWE Network, but they don't like show them. So, for example, like they do show them, but like they don't advertise them. Is what I mean. So, for example, if you watch a match from, let's just say you're watching this pay per view on the WWE Network, WrestleMania, or excuse me, Royal Rumble 2003, and you want to skip to a certain match. There's timestamps for each match. So, for example, let's say on this show you wanted to watch Triple H versus Scott Steiner for the World Heavyweight Championship. You could look at the timestamps and it will say Triple H versus Scott Steiner for the World Heavyweight Championship. It will have no problem telling you who the wrestlers are, you know, what the match is about, and it doesn't hide anything. However, if you would like to watch Chris Benoit versus Kurt Angle, you would have to... Look for the match that says Kurt Angle defending the WWE Championship. It will not mention who he's wrestling. On the timestamp itself, it won't show a picture of Chris Benoit. They just don't mention him by name at all. And this kind of comes down to whether you're able to separate the art from the artist. This kind of depends on your mental strength in terms of can you watch this match and kind of, I don't want to say put to one side what he did, but if you can watch the match and just appreciate it for the entertainment value and the characters that you're watching, as opposed to the man who did these horrible things. Um, yeah. Having said that, it's an amazing technical match. Uh, WWE, in terms of technical matches, I don't want to say they're few and far between, but they do obviously go for the entertainment spectacle a little bit more. But in terms of like a pure technical wrestling match in WWE... There really isn't many better than this one. But it is a case of whether you're able to put to one side what happened, you know. And that all depends on the individual. Some people can do that. Others may not be able to. Sometimes I can. Other times, you know, I see, uh, you know, uh, Nancy Benoit's family. Nancy Benoit was also a great wrestling valet, Chris Benoit's wife. Um, I see her post something about... Uh, you know, I see, uh, sorry, her sister posts something about, you know, Daniel, her nephew, who, you know, Chris Benoit took the life of. And it makes me kind of go, you know what, I don't really want to watch a Chris Benoit match today. I don't really care how good he was at wrestling. He did some really fucking shitty things. And there are some fucking idiots out there who think that uh, Chris Benoit should be in the WWE Hall of Fame. To these people, I would say, grow the fuck up. Just because he was good at wrestling doesn't mean that he should be in the Hall of Fame. You know, what he did outside the ring will always be far more significant. I don't want to say significant, that's the wrong word. But those actions that he did, the actions that uh, happened over the course of those couple of days, will always have a greater impact on everyone than his wrestling career did. He has one of the most decorated careers of all time. He had one of the most emotional uh, wins ever at WrestleMania 20 when he won the World Heavyweight title and embraced with his best friend Eddie Guerrero, who also unfortunately passed away back in 2005. So there was only two years between those two deaths. There's a great documentary on it called Dark Side of the Ring uh, that looks at the death of Chris Benoit and how the death of Eddie Guerrero had an impact on that. Um, yeah. But just those acts. 
yeah, I suppose it's again like we're getting very dark and very serious here, but it all depends on the mental strength of the person whether you're able to put that to one side or whether you can't. But yeah, if you can check out that match, but I understand if people don't want to. My final match for this recording, it's not the final match of the episode, but I have to include a women's match because women's wrestling is something that in WWE was overlooked for far too long. The problem with WWE and their view on the women's division for so long was that the women wore just eye candy. They were just brought in for men to drool over. And listen, there have been some beautiful fucking women in WWE. Trish Stratus, Tori Wilson, Stacey Keebler. Uh, Lita wasn't really my cup of tea looks-wise, but a lot of other people really liked her. Okay, I, I just sounded so misogynistic there, I do apologise. But yeah, like the, the, the point being, WWE have had some unbelievably good-looking women come in. The problem with this was that a lot of these people they brought in were models. They weren't really wrestlers. Uh, not the women I just mentioned, they were all very good wrestlers. But a lot of women they brought in kind of had no business being there. A big example was one of the more recent examples, when I say recent, it was about 10 years ago, was Eva Marie, who is an absolute sweetheart of a human being. She's absolutely lovely. But she was brought in purely based off the fact that she was beautiful and they threw her in there way too soon when she wasn't ready to have a match and she just looked really bad. And it's not really her fault. She just wasn't ready for it. But she has been a great advocate for wrestling for people who've shat all over it. So I have nothing but respect for Eva Marie. I do think there was potential there with her, but I just think they they constantly rushed her. And it wasn't her fault. It was just the fact that she had such a great appearance and the company wanted to get her out there as quick as they could. So it wasn't her fault. She doesn't deserve the hate she gets, uh, especially because she's been such a great advocate for wrestling since she left. Uh, I, I, I have nothing bad to say about her. I, I think it was just a case of circumstance. You know, I, I think she could have been a decent wrestler. They just mistreated her in terms of how they rushed her development. But anyways, there was a surge in women's wrestling, all thanks to NXT. And there have been some absolute, like, bangers from WWE's women's division in the last eight, nine years. But the one match that will always stand out to me is a triple threat women's championship match that took place at WrestleMania 32. Between Charlotte Flair, daughter of Ric Flair, Becky Lynch... Ireland's own, and Sasha Banks, the cousin of Snoop Dogg, for those that don't know. This is an unbelievable match from a WrestleMania that I think gets a lot of shit, but there actually is some good stuff in it. It's a bit too long, and the main event is a bit dull. But overall, I actually think WrestleMania 32 is not as bad as some people make it out to be. But anyway, it is a unbelievable representation of how great the women are in WWE when they're given the opportunity to do so. Honestly, lads, like, I feel bad only picking one women's match. There's been some great women's matches, as I said, over the last eight, nine years. I mean, if you want to dig down into NXT, Sasha Banks and Bayley have two brilliant matches. Uh, one is at NXT TakeOver Brooklyn in 2015, and the other one is at NXT TakeOver uh, Respect in October of 2015. That match brought me to literal tears when it ended. It was so emotional. And it was great storytelling. Sasha Banks does a really good job of being the heel in that match. Bailey is a really good babyface. 
honestly, like there's there's so there's only like the only way you'll realize how good that match is is if you go and watch it. Those matches are is if you go and watch them. But I think if I'm gonna pick one above all else, it will be the triple threat women's match from WrestleMania 32. Sasha Banks, Charlotte Flair, and Becky Lynch. Becky Lynch has been a great advocate for Irish sport since she's gotten this huge push in the last few years. And this is actually before she became the huge household name that she is now, but it's just an example of how good she has always been. And Charlotte Flair, it's in her blood. Her dad's one of the most iconic wrestlers of all time, Ric Flair. And Sasha Banks, I'm not as big a fan of her as everyone else is, but anytime any of the four horsewomen, which is these three women plus Bailey, anytime any combination of those women had a match, it was always phenomenal. So, yeah. Right, so the next few wrestling matches I'm going to pick, I'm going. To, I'm not going to lie, lads. They're, they're a little bit silly. But this is the beauty of professional wrestling, is that it's a bit fucking silly. And sometimes it's so silly that it's... It's... The more silly, the better. So, the first match I'm going to pick isn't actually that silly when you start talking about it. But it gets... It sounds silly to people who don't really know what wrestling is. So this comes from the main event of WrestleMania in 2015. So it's WrestleMania 31. And it's a match between Roman Reigns and Brock Lesnar for the WWE title. And you might be there thinking, that doesn't sound that silly. Two wrestlers at a wrestling show having a wrestling match for a wrestling championship. What sounds so silly about that? You want to know who wins the match at WrestleMania 31 between Roman Reigns and Brock Lesnar? Seth Rollins. Seth Rollins wins the match. Between Brock Lesnar and Roman Reigns at WrestleMania 31. The main event of WrestleMania 31 is won by somebody not in the match. Let me explain. Remember those ladder matches I was talking about earlier? Since 2005, WWE have had this match called a Money in the Bank ladder match. The winner of this match which is a ladder match with six, seven, eight competitors. Sometimes it can be anywhere, but it can be anywhere between there's at least six or seven people in it every year. Sometimes there's up to eight. And the winner of this match gets a guaranteed championship match at any time they please. You can cash it in at any time you want. And at WrestleMania 31, Roman Reigns and Brock Lesnar are having this fantastic match for the WWE title. Both men go down at one stage in the match. They're both lying down in the ring after absolutely beating the shit out of each other. And next thing you know, here comes running down the ramp the man who wrestled and lost to Randy Orton earlier that night, Mr. Money in the Bank, Seth Rollins, cashing in his Money in the Bank contract to beat Brock Lesnar and Roman Reigns to win the WWE Championship. Money in the Bank 2022 is on tomorrow night. I would highly recommend you watch it. The Money in the Bank ladder matches are so much fun to watch. 
you can watch literally any of them. They're all pretty good, especially the men's ones. The women's ones, and I'm not like shitting on the women here. I think last year's women's one was probably the best one. The women's ones, they've kind of botched overall, unfortunately. But you could pretty much watch any Money in the Bank uh, ladder match and it'll be a lot of fun. But how... It, like, it just sounds so like silly to people who aren't wrestling fans when I explain it to them that the winner of the main event of the biggest show of the year was won by somebody not in the match. <laughs> it was won by a guy who already wrestled that night and lost, who cashed in a con- uh, his briefcase with a contract in it for a guaranteed title match at any time he wants. But that's the beauty of wrestling. And people say, oh, but you know who's going to win. No, I don't. Yeah, they might know, but I don't know. I didn't know Seth Rollins was going to cash in that night. He could have cashed in at any point for up to a year. And that's when he decided to do it. The next silly match I'm going to talk about is every Vince McMahon match he's ever fucking had. So Vince McMahon is the owner of WWE. He is the chairman. However, at the moment, he's had to temporarily step down as the chairman because there is a scandal after appearing which is alleging that he paid off a wrestler for $3 million due to an alleged affair. But listen, Vince has turned up on WWE TV since these allegations came out and he doesn't seem that phased by what's going on. But Vince McMahon is genuinely someone who has had some of the greatest wrestling matches of all time. He had a great match at WrestleMania 22 against Shawn Michaels. He has a great match at WrestleMania 19 against Hulk Hogan, which is probably the one I would recommend the most. But the most bizarre match I think he's ever had is WrestleMania 17 against his son, Shane McMahon. And during this match, his wife, Linda, is ringside in a wheelchair, being wheeled around by Tris Stratus, who Vince is having a story excuse me, storyline affair with, in front of Linda, who he's drugged up, who ends up sobering up during this match to help Shane beat Vince. Wrestling is fucking stupid, but that's why I love it. He also had a match against uh, Shawn Michaels at Backlash 2006. Again, that mightn't sound too weird, but it wasn't just Vince McMahon versus Shawn Michaels. No. It was Vince McMahon and Shane McMahon versus Shawn Michaels and God. I'm not going to explain anything else. I'm going to wait for you to go and watch it. Other silly wrestling matches that are just fantastic to watch. There are two that spring to mind from the COVID era. So during the pandemic, WWE was one of the only sporting organizations that kept going from the minute the pandemic happened. WrestleMania, the biggest wrestling show of the year, still went ahead in front of nobody. (laughs) It was in an empty uh, WWE PC, but it still turned out to be a pretty fucking damn good show. And WWE did two amazing matches that aren't even really traditional wrestling matches at all. They are two mini-movies. The first one being a boneyard match between The Undertaker and AJ Styles. And the second one being a Firefly Funhouse match between John Cena and The Fiend Bray Wyatt. 
So the Boneyard match is The Undertaker going back to his biker gimmick. It's actually the last match he ever had against AJ Styles, who he'd been feuding with, um, you know, in the lead up to WrestleMania. And, you know, Undertaker at this stage, you know, he wasn't in the prime of his career. He'd seen better days. But this cinematic match just blew everybody's mind. It was the first cinematic match WWE had ever done. It was like a short film, essentially. It was absolutely fantastic. And you got to check it out. But the one that people remember the most is the Firefly Funhouse match. So a lot of you out there are probably familiar with the show, uh, or not the show, the mini-series on YouTube, Don't Hug Me, I'm Scared, which is presented at first like a children's TV show, but obviously it takes a dark twist and it's actually, you know, it's like a it's like a short horror film, really. This is Don't Hug Me, I'm Scared, the wrestling match. It's like when you first watch it, it's just the absolute shock factor of it. But then when you keep going back to watch it, you pick up on some of the hidden messages in it. Watch it once. Go onto YouTube and watch the deeper meaning about it. And then watch it again. And every time you watch it, you'll pick up on something that you didn't notice the first time. Just like Don't Hug Me, I'm Scared. Another great wrestling match. And it's my favourite WrestleMania match of all time. Because of how much fun I had watching it. And how fucking just bizarre and silly it was. Is Sami Zayn versus Johnny Knoxville from WrestleMania 38. It is the most fun I have had watching a wrestling match ever. I am not only a huge wrestling fan, I'm a huge Jackass fan. Jackass Forever was so fucking great. It was, I watched it at a time where I wasn't feeling that great. I'd had a bit of a, I was going through a bit of a rough time, um, you know, in the lead up to the day I watched Jackass Forever. And oh my God, I was belly laughing at it. It was so fucking funny. I love all the Jackass movies. I love all the guys over at Jackass. Hopefully, bam. Gets his shit together. I know he's been going through some shit recently. So, oh, bam. We love you, man. Please, please just look after yourself. You know, we already lost Ryan Dunn. We don't want to lose. We don't want to lose you, bam. Just had to get that out there. But, uh, yeah. Sorry, just had to get that out there. But Sami Zayn versus Johnny Knoxville. It's the way Johnny Knoxville just gets what wrestling is. He just fucking gets it. And Sami Zayn, you know, who's been wrestling for 20 plus years, he got to learn from one of the greatest of all time, El Generico. Like, El Generico, I don't think it's spoke about enough how El Generico took Sami Zayn under his wing and developed him into the performer he is today. And it's such a shame that El Generico had to retire and, you know, look after his orphanage in Tijuana. You know, we never got that dream match between Sami Zayn and El Generico. And that's something that really gets to me. Um, like, it's crazy. Like, their styles are so similar. Like, it's almost like they're the same person. But they're not. Like, it's it's really weird. Because, um, obviously, they're not the same person. One's Mexican, one's Canadian. Like, come on, guys. But the fact that Sami Zayn is able to, again, tap into this really silly match but like honestly lads if you're a fan of jackass you need to watch this match all the crew show up apart from steve-o like wee man's in this match chris pontius is in this match you know poopies is at ringside like it's it's a fucking phenomenal match 
It's the most fun I've ever had watching a wrestling match. You bloody need to check it out. You, you, you really do. It is phenomenal. Just watch it. Like, and the matches I've just mentioned here, they're all, like, in this recording session, they're all a bit fucking silly. But that's the beauty of them. I, I think in this episode, I have covered so many elements of wrestling. I've covered, you know, the great storytelling in wrestling. I've covered the great, you know, how big the larger-than-life stars um, can contribute to a wrestling match. I've spoke about how the, you know, athleticism can, uh, you know, tell a great story. I've shown how the shock factor can do it. I've shown how the, the comedy can do it. The silliness can do it. You know, another match I didn't even talk about as well is uh, Kurt Angle versus Shawn Michaels. Their series of matches in 2005. It's the greatest amateur wrestler of all time taking on the greatest professional wrestler of all time and how like that technical style mixed with the the showmanship and sports entertainment style can make a great match it's just there's lads there's too many matches to name there are too many matches to fucking name but i've gotten through a good base of them there this is going to be a very long episode lads i'm not gonna lie so what i'm gonna do now is i'm gonna fire through some of your suggestions that you gave me over on the tiktok machine so i did put this up on tiktok a few weeks ago and it got a great response we got 185 comments fair fucking play so we're not gonna go through all of them but we'll go through a number of them to see what people said so dara cash said uh for the cycle uh, psychology of the match as it wasn't mentioned Chris Jericho versus Chris Benoit from Royal Rumble 2001, which is a ladder match as well. Again, it depends on whether you can watch a Benoit match or not, but it is genuinely one of the best ladder matches of all time. And there's a lot of submission wrestling elements to it as well. Uh, The two Canadian Chris's, they had some great matches with each other, and those matches are definitely worth checking out if you're able to switch it off. Uh, Up next, we have Mikey Squiggs, who says, Elimination Chamber Survivor Series 2002. Yes! I can't believe I didn't mention an Elimination Chamber match. And this was actually the first Elimination Chamber match ever. So the Elimination Chamber match is, again, it's a, it's a cage-like structure where there are four pods where four wrestlers will wait as two of them start off the match. And every, I think it's every five minutes, I think, someone enters the pod and it's, you know, you have to eliminate all your opponents via pinfall or submission. Um, yeah, the 2002 Elimination Chamber match is probably the best one. There has been some bad ones, I'm not going to lie. There there have been some pretty bad ones, but... Yeah, if you're going to watch one, watch the first one from 2002. Uh, Temple of Nixon says, DIY versus Revival uh, from NXT TakeOver Toronto. Yes, that is a more traditional tag match, which I'm surprised I didn't mention any in this episode. To be honest, the best tag team match of all time happened outside WWE. That was, in my opinion, Kenny Omega and Hangman Page versus the Young Bucks at AEW Revolution 2020. But the best one in WWE is DIY versus Revival NXT TakeOver Toronto 2016. The ending of that match as well just goes to show how just amazing wrestling is. That's all I'm going to say. Joey Sanchez says Bret Hart versus Stone Cold Steve Austin from WrestleMania 13. We did mention that. Um, So... Why is this? Why does he? Why does my phone decide to go weird when? There we go. Sorry, I just. It's always at the end of an episode something goes wrong. 
But Aaron says, Macho Man Randy Savage versus Ricky the Dragon Steamboat. He says, I'm old school. Yeah, I think if you want to go back to that time, the kind of early 90s, late 80s, early 90s, Savage Steamboat just have some, well, actually mid-80s to, yeah, sorry, that would be mid-80s to late-80s. Uh, WrestleMania 3, Ricky, uh, Ricky, Ricky Savage, apparently. Ricky Savage versus Randy Steamboat. Randy Savage versus Ricky Steamboat is absolutely phenomenal. Uh, we have Shawn Michaels versus Ric Flair in his last WWE match. A very well, uh, a very well done story tells a very well done match tells a brilliant story. Says uh, Anarchist one one nine three. So yeah, the ending of this match is again. I feel like I talk about the endings of matches an awful lot here, but it is it's it's fantastic. So Shawn Michaels is wrestling Ric Flair. If Ric Flair loses, his career is over. And at the end of the match, Shawn Michaels is about to finish off Ric Flair. Ric Flair is crying. He's telling Shawn Michaels, come on, finish me off, you prick. He doesn't exactly say that. But Shawn Michaels does exactly say, I'm sorry, I love you. Before hitting him with sweet chin music and ending Ric Flair's career for two years. Uh, We have Davin Blake, or Davin Blake, I should say, who says, uh, uh, Shawn Michaels versus Bret Hart, the Iron Man match. And also, Shawn Michaels versus Undertaker, the first ever Hell in a Cell at Bad Blood, 1997. No offense, Davin, Davin, Blake. <laughs> I think that match is massively overrated. Not the Undertaker match, the Bret Hart match. I think that Iron Man match between Shawn Michaels and Bret Hart is unbelievably boring. It's just, it's just a matter of taste. It's just a matter of opinion. If that's the match you'd show people, that's fair enough. Me, personally, that's the last match I would show someone. I think it is unbearably boring, and I think it would make a lot of people tune out. But that's just me. Uh, Jay Charleston says, Cactus Jack versus Triple H at Royal Rumble 2000. The story behind it alone is worth it. Yes, great shout. I've heard a couple of people say this is the match that got them into wrestling. Uh, most notably, Adam Blampier and Luke Owen, both over at WrestleTalk. I know they've both said this is the match and the pay-per-view that got them into wrestling, so... Um, that's a really good shout. Uh, Antoman04 says, Team Cena versus The Authority. So this was a traditional Survivor Series tag team match where there is a unbelievable debut at the end of it from a wrestling legend, a WWE debut from a wrestling legend, which made me fucking lose my mind when it happened. So that's definitely one to check out. Uh, Fergus Carey says, Sami Zayn versus Shinsuke Nakamura. A banger of a match, a great way to show how to introduce a star from another promotion, which was Shinsuke Nakamura. It was actually Sami Zayn's last NXT match. And he also says Undertaker versus Triple H at WrestleMania. Uh, we have uh, Deco O'Donoghue, or Deco O'Donoghue, I should say, who says The Undertaker versus Karl Angle at No Way Out 2006. Absolutely phenomenal match. Uh, Daniel Bolam says WrestleMania 19, Chris Jericho versus Shawn Michaels. Absolute timeless classic. And one of the greatest WrestleMania matches of all time. That I feel like gets overlooked sometimes. Uh, Edge versus Mick Foley. Hardcore match at WrestleMania 22. Says Sugar Shoink 26. Uh, yeah, just another match with absolute carnage from start to finish. Uh, Owen J03 says Undertaker versus Batista. WrestleMania 23. Very good shout. Uh, Adam H501 ST says Demon Finn Balor versus AJ Styles. TLC 2017. Whopper shout. Uh, Grant Sullivan 02 says Daniel Bryan versus Randy Orton versus Batista at WrestleMania 30. That is the ultimate underdog story where the underdog actually wins. So yeah, that's another great match to check out. 
Triple H versus The Rock at SummerSlam 98, a great ladder match. That's a, that's from Dad Hat Wrestling. Uh, CZ, or Czinski, I think, 86. Pete Dunne versus Tyler Bate, NXT TakeOver Chicago. Two British wrestling heroes in that match. Uh, we'll do a few more. We have John Cena versus AJ Styles at the Royal Rumble 2017. That's where John Cena wins his 16th world title. That comes from Mark uh, Atherin. Atherin. Sorry if I mispronounced that. Uh, and we'll do we'll do two more. We will do uh, a, a recent one. Cody Rhodes versus Seth Rollins at WrestleMania 38. Great return from Cody Rhodes. And the last match we'll do is one we haven't spoke about yet, which is becoming a little bit difficult to find. We will go with do 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 do. Uh, someone here suggested the first TNA X Division match. That's not a WWE match, but okay. Um, we will go with. Hmm. Oh, here's a good one: Eddie Guerrero versus Brock Lesnar. At No Way Out 2004, one of the most emotional WWE Championship wins of all time. Viva la raza, we miss you every day, Eddie. And that is the end of this episode. Lads, fair play if you made it through all of this. This recording in itself has taken me nearly an hour. Oh my god, I can't believe I've done it. Lads, I'm so glad I got to get through this episode. It was very hard to explain what happened in these matches like without trying to spoil them. So I do apologize if that makes you less likely to want to watch them. But like you can literally take your pick from here. It's just I I'm I, I yeah, I I really do want to talk. I, I I am thinking of starting up another wrestling podcast as part of the Straight Outta Klein universe. I think I mentioned it last week. We'll we'll do it like how Joe Rogan does it. He has the Joe Rogan experience, but then he has the MMA show which is like a part of the universe, but it's a separate entity in another way. I think we're going to do something like that. I know I've been talking about Celtic Combat. That will probably be what ends up happening. I'll probably just have it a part of as part of Celtic Combat, which will be a part of Straight Outta Klein uh, as well. Um, but yeah, I think I've probably out-wrestled all of you with this. <laughs> I've out-wrestled you at my wrestling talk. I normally end these with a wrestling promo. And I think this week, I'm not going to do a wrestling promo because I think you've heard me talk about wrestling so much here. I'm going to end this with a great song that I rediscovered recently. And no, it's not Rick Astley never going to give you up. So relax, those of you that think you're going to get Rick rolled. Not this time. It's not the right time, let's be honest. But I'm going to leave you with this great song by a guy called Adam Pashiti. And it is a spin-off of a classic by Billy Joel. You might be familiar with that classic, We Didn't Start the Fire. Here is the wrestling version of that song called What Happened to That Wrestler. Thank you all so much for listening to this episode. Let me know what matches you did check out and which ones you enjoyed the most. And if they made you appreciate the world of pro wrestling more. And I will talk to you all next week. Mason Ryan, Stevie Ray, Earthquake, Alundra, Blaze, Norman Smiley, Zach Gowan, Bam Bam Bigelow, Ahmed Johnson, Tory Wilson, Buff, Bagwell, Robert Gibson, Dave Taylor, Terry Taylor, and Godfather's Hose.
Wayne Gill, Adam Bob, Michael Hayes, Corvon, S.A. Rios, Jim and I, the manager from Kai and Ty, Jim Powers, Francine, Jack Swagger, Mean Gene, Fatchick Thriller, Duke the Dumpster, Oklahoma Manta! What happened to that wrestler? Someone main eventing, which leaves me lamenting. What happened to that wrestler? Something's long forgotten, but their memories live on. Billy Kidman, Smirnoff, Nikolai and Zukov, Brooklyn Brawler, Moscow Mauler, all of Raven's flock. Crime Time, Vic Grimes, Max Mini, A-Ride, two dudes with attitudes, man, Mountain Rock. Big Cat, Simon Dean, Captain Lou and the Machines, King Kong Bundy, Big Boss Man, Big Dick Dudley, Dennis Stamp, Hercules, Albert Test, Brian Nobbs, Luthes, Harley Race, Johnny Ace, Gangrel Rosa Mendes! What happened to that wrestler? Someone main eventing, which leaves me lamenting. What happened to that wrestler? Something's long forgotten, but their memories live on. D'Lo Brown, Rodney Mack, Dean Malenko, Cactus Jack, Just Joe, Katie Vick, JBL, Total Prick, Mexicool, Scott Hall, Giant Silver, Really Tall, Steiner Brothers, Scott and Rick, How Big Is Batista's Dick? Molly, Holly, Vader, Quang, Kevin, Thorne and Booty Man, Doug, Furnace, Camacho, Pepper, Mabel, Oscar, Moe, B2, Rene Dupree, Super Crazy, Ricky, She, Horace, Hogan, Waldo, Jerry, Deuce and Domino. What happened to that wrestler? Someone main eventing, which leaves me lamenting. What happened to that wrestler? Something's long forgotten, but their memories live on. Santa Claus, Arachnaman, Sabba, Simba, One Man Gang, Kerwin White, Terry Funk, Battle Cat and CM Punk, Disciples of Apocalypse, Stevie Richards, Super Kicks, Buzzkill, Flash Funk, Friar Ferguson, The Monk, Scotty Riggs, Dr. Death, West Texas Rednecks, MIA, Renegade, Virgil, Ted DiBiase! What happened to that wrestler? Someone main eventing, which leaves me lamenting. What happened to that wrestler? Something's long forgotten, but their memories live on. Braden Walker, Gail Kim, Terry Hogan back again. Tatsu, Sabu, Brad Maddox, Peggy Sue. Rocco Socko, Maya Veer, he seems to have disappeared. Jordy Nev is in Japan. Brackus Taka, Wee McMahon. Me Street Posse, Sullivan. Bobby Eaton, Cameron. Tyler Rex, Masters Pex. Vito Tito, Beth Phoenix. Good old JR on the floor. Karma Farmer, Shannon Moore. All the members of the core, I can't think of anymore. What happened? to that wrestler someone main eventing which leaves me lamenting what happened to that wrestler something's long forgotten but their memories live on what happened to that wrestler someone main eventing Vince's trousers tenting what happened to that wrestler <laughs> I have to lose that sack solo.